you've been looking for a podcast to help you transform your physical and mental one that'll shoot you straight between the eyes with truth and no bs helping you have the right mindset to accomplish things the iron will and fortitude to follow through with what you say you're going to do no excuses Mark owns martial arts schools, and after 30 years, he has some real insight for real talk, real life, real conversations, motivational, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, live from the Great 1-8. This is Real Talk with Mark Cox. We are. Now we're live. Good morning, Garrett. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome, Mark. How are All you? right. It's good. I'd like to welcome you to the show. This is Real Talk. I've been doing this podcast now for right before the pandemic hit and been looking. As a matter of fact, I couldn't get you last time we had you uh, slotted. You got COVID. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. It's good times. <laughs> yeah. I can. Well, that same thing happened to me back in last December, even though we were all the vaccines and stuff, we still got COVID. And, and so, yeah, we, we, I think yeah, everyone's going to get it at least once. And yeah. So, so, and uh, so this was a, a, this was going to be a fun, uh, we, we worked together a little bit in Chatsworth on the Chamber of Commerce. That's how we kind of met. And uh, then we, we realized that we kind of chew the same dirt back in the, in the martial arts world. And yeah. so that's our connection for sure. So Garrett, I'm going to go ahead and let you introduce yourself. And, and if you have family and, and uh, and then we'll get just get going with this interview. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. So my name is Garrett Olgin. Um, I'm 45 years old. Uh, I've been doing martial arts for a little over 40 years, and I have two boys, Gavin and Gabriel, and my wife Marcia, that are a great support to what I do. And yeah, I'm looking forward to this interview. It's good. So. Garrett, let's talk. Let's talk about the beginning about your martial arts days. So you you also had a school, is that correct? Yes. Uh, so I owned a company called A and G Martial Arts. Um, I opened up my first studio when I was 19 years old, right out of high school. And um, what I did is I designed the studio to be built on the grounds of a private school. So this way. Uh, originally, the uh, the owner of the school was going to dismiss a few students for having, you know, anger issues. And I came by and I explained that those are the easiest people to work with. And so they gave me a shot at it, opened a studio, and I was sold out at that place. We had about 60 students within the month. Everybody wanted to do it. And... Um, it worked out really good. We were able to change a lot of lives. So eventually we branched out and opened up seven more. So I, yes, no, I didn't know that now. So where was your first school at? Do you remember Pinecrest Elementary Schools? I do remember Pinecrest Elementaries, yes. Yeah, well, there, the original one was in Van Nuys off of Sherman Way and Hazeltine. And uh, I went there as a child. And so I had a soft spot and... Uh, 
came back there as one of my you know business models i wanted to bring it back to a place where i wanted to hit it at the root you know everybody wants to do martial arts you know as well as i do the number one one of the number one issues getting people into martial arts is getting them there getting them from a to b you know and there's yes. always these reasons you know uh dinner's cookie whatever the case may be <laughs> but you know getting there was hard just like a gym everybody signs up but nobody goes so what That's i did right. was i designed this uh this idea that they would show up every monday wednesday friday but i would mandate it and so this way even though a lot of schools would offer five six days a week you know the the, the students that really wanted to take into it you know all of what they offered they were going four to five days a week but the ones that didn't know what their value or capabilities were were maybe going once a week so now i was able to really show everybody what their capabilities were right after school so there was no excuse and by the time their parents picked them up they were already done yeah so you know that's i i don't know if you know this but you know i did after school programs in pinecrest myself um yeah yeah, actually, I think I remember something about Thousand Oaks, right? Yes, we did. We matter of fact, I had a few of. We had Simi Valley when it was here, and I'm not. I don't know. Is there any Pinecrest schools left at all? No, no. The yeah. the school sold. Uh, some of the the locations are still there, but they they got um, bought by other school organizations. Um, so I mean, that's good. It didn't get torn down for like a an apartment building complex. Right. Yes, that's true. So, and that's uh, that's very unique. That uh, you. So, as you started, you started an after school program, and yeah, had, I you know, we had a strong afternoon pro, after school program within the within Chatsworth, and then we kind of branched down everywhere else also. So it was definitely um, after school programs were. Well, you did it three times a week, so that that made it a little bit easier for promotions. You know, going once a week was is a little bit, and we still have after school programs today. And you notice that, like Pinecrest, or it's only you know L.A. Unified, way way back in the in the in the mid '90s, I was able to get into one L.A. Unified school. They allowed me right. to do a karate class. They won't even think they won't even think about a, a martial arts class in in uh, in L.A. Unified. And I, oh, I've, yeah. I've been an advocate and so has Chuck Norris. He's been a huge advocate of martial arts should be in every school. And I think yeah. if you would see that you, it would be, you would see a turnaround in, in self-esteem, self-discipline. And, and I believe bullying would be, could take a back seat, but I don't know. They just, just won't do it. So it, yes, of course, all private schools, they're all on board. Most private schools have after school uh, martial arts for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, they're, they're, the, the public schools had the gatekeepers, you know, that it was extremely difficult to get involved and get into it. And, you know, there's a commonality in the beginning with anybody we speak to, that's a parent or somebody that wants their child to try, you know, the whole try is, you know, I don't want my son to, to be violent or I don't want my son to, to hurt people is, is this what this is type of a thing. And so by having it in a fixed, you know, having a fixed clientele on a, a on a, a private school ground that had five, six hundred students, I was able to physically prove that it's quite the opposite. I mean, we, you know, I'm sure you heard as well as I do in the past. Yeah, I'm taking my son out for a week because he, he got bad grades. 
And, and you, you look at them and you go, well, that's why we're here. You're, you're supposed <laughs> to let us know that. And believe me, he's going to he's going to earn an A after us. You know, and once I was able to physically walk into the classroom and go get the student right out of the classroom and say, what's going on? That student came back and was on honor roll. And it wasn't because I I beat him. It wasn't because I scared him. It was strictly just fear of disappointment, you know, and yeah. and you can't get that with a push pull. And today when, you know, you have a parent fighting with you about what you're doing wrong versus what you're trying to do right. You know, and when you're on a private school ground, the camaraderie is a little bit or even any school. Once they accept you, the, the camaraderie is great to where they allow you to truly do what you want to do and and, and impact lives. Yeah, that's uh, it's it's interesting. Garrett. I, I did not realize that after school is what you did, because I remember I had a very strong after school program. We probably had 17 at one time. And, um, you know, that's how I kept my young, young people employed. We paid them well. Um, you right. know, we're, we're paying $25, $30 a class, um, you know, so we wouldn't lose them to a fast food restaurant. Right. And, um, but it was, it, it was very unique. And we were in, we just, all schools around the neighborhood knew who we are. And, you know, I, I don't know if you agree, but a strong martial arts school in a community, um, I just know in Chatsworth, I've been here for 31 years and you know that everybody kind of knows this school. And I just think people feel safer to know that there's something like this in town that their kids can come to, to learn, to learn how to have some self-esteem and stuff like that. It's been watching Chatsworth and go up and down and up and down, you know, and I knew that you know, my, my school is kind of, I've known, I'm known to be kind of a hard, a hard, hardcore school. You know, I'm a fighting type of school, but I've watched even, even as parenting has changed a little bit, it's in, it's, it's changed for sure in the last 10 years, a new 10, the parents now, but they're also seeing that there's a hunger for having this strong presence and not just so cow down to everything and woke type of attitude. I still have parents that will come in to me and say, hey, listen, my kid's so out of control. You need to boot camp him, uh, you know, and, you know, we'll get we'll get physical. And and, uh, you know, when you got strong role models, male and female, I mean, it, it can really mold a child, you know, and I'm sure that you have kids that you've you've promoted that have come back to you and said, coach, you know, I don't know where I'd be without you. Yeah, it's I tell I used to tell all of my parents, you know, those those comments is what kept me going, you know, for another year. And I say, Hey, I work for thank yous, you know, the way that I know that they're excelling from where I've seen them come from. And that was what I would always tell the parents, you know, they, after every test, wow, I can't believe my son or daughter was able to do that. And, you know, we would reply, you haven't seen anything yet. Yeah. And they all, they all start different speeds and directions, but as well as you know, I mean, our colors don't run. So, Black thought is always the same at the finish line. And when those parents would see what those kids could do, you know, that to me is worth everything. So, you know, what's your story? What, what chose, what made you go look at martial arts? And as far as that goes, what, what drew you to it? Well, again, with the commonality, we all probably share this, you know, and, uh, I was bullied. I was picked on. I was a, I was a little kid who was rambunctious. I got along with everybody. 
I had another kid who picked on me, you know, and uh, ironically, the they sent this this boy to the same martial arts school because back in the 80s, you know, the teachers would go and talk to the parents and they would explain to them, listen, your son has some some anger issues and we need to take care of this. And so they would, you know, utilize our martial arts as a, as a way, a, a tool, an outlet. And so this boy got sent to my studio out of all places and he saw me there and was flabbergasted that I was there because he kept picking on me and he didn't understand why I never fought back. And I was there in the studio and one day we did the traditional where we stood there every day we would hit into our stomach to, you know, take it in, That's pass right. it to the next person, take it in. Man, no, they don't do that anymore. We, we stopped doing it. And so this kid gets hit, falls down. I don't fall down. So he gets really, really, you know, interested in what, what makes me tick. We still keep training. I fast forward ahead and he's not able to do the drills that I do. And then we brick break or we board break, excuse me. He, he bounces off the boards and we ended up becoming best friends. And, Isn't that <laughs> that's yeah, such a we came back to school, you know, later on, fast forwarding even further, and he was just somebody who wanted attention. But you don't identify that issue, and that boy grows up in an environment where chances are he might have been left alone, wasn't worked with, and now he doesn't understand his own abilities, and maybe he or she causes damage before it's too late. And that was really a good person, you know, and so it inspired me, especially being the youngest in my family. I was picked on all the time. So I was always watching those B flick Kung Fu movies. And I was amazed on having <laughs> yeah. one person take on, you know, 20 looking back at it, they're pretty funny to watch, but you know, the, the motivations, everything, you know? And in fact, I just saw, uh, we all, you know, sharing the same type of background. I just saw the thing about Tyson on Mike Tyson on, I think it was Netflix or Hulu. And they talked specifically on the two episodes about his beginning, not his championships. And again, he was on the bottom. He had nowhere to go but up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's got an, I know that story you're talking about. He's got an incredible story. And uh, it's interesting to listen to him today, just his humility uh of of what he you know not wanting to go back to where he was because he goes it's just you know he, he compares himself just to a, a rabid animal you know what i mean so yeah, yeah he's he's got an incredible story i've always he's always been one of my top guys that i've i've always enjoyed watching just his tenacity and how he how he fights and you know how he comes out and you got friends that abuse uh relationships through money and stuff like that and how he's fought through that too he's easy yeah I like him, man. He's a good dude, for sure. I, I, uh, I, I enjoy, I enjoy listening to his, uh, his commentary. He's got a little podcast himself, which has been phenomenal. So that's good. So let's, so talk about. So you said 19 years old is when you started going in there, right? Who right. was your instructor? Where did you take class at? Where's um, your history? My, my well, I have a, a variety of different styles. When I was younger, I took a class. I took Shotokan was my first style. I was about four and a half, five. And my father introduced me to the instructor. And um, it was great. It was a class of like 10 or 12 people. And he didn't do it for the money. He did it as a hobby. He was working somewhere else. So he had the luxury to do it 
you know, specifically just for the passion. And right. you had to be invited into this class. And if you were late twice, you were kicked out of the class. That's you old know? school, and, man. I love that stuff. And my father didn't know anything about training. So we would go right after work from his dry cleaners and he would take me to Tommy's and we would go eat chili burgers. <laughs> and then he would take me to the studio and we would do the jumping jacks where we would have to count in Japanese to 10. It's mm -hmm. Nissan Chief. And yeah. then the next person would do it. And then the next person would do it. And if you weren't doing it good enough, he would make you go to the end and then we'd start back and go back to the beginning again. So we'd come back. And there were times that I would just suffocate and I'd be on the ground without breathing. I'd never, never as a child, you know, and I really learned how to get in shape from, from his class and being able to control your power was so amazing. But as a child, it was nothing. And I'll never forget my first tournament I went to, I was a yellow belt. And the concept of that tournament wasn't about full contact. It was about how close you can get without touching. Mm -hmm. That's so right. the student that competed against me was I remember it was I don't know how many I fought, but it was first and second and it was for first and second and I lost and I was so mad. I had a chip on my shoulder. So my sensei comes up to me, sensei Vern, and he says, he goes, what's the matter? I said, you know, this isn't real. If you can't hit somebody, it doesn't work. And he looks at me and he just snaps a punch and knocks me right on the ground. And I can't breathe. I'm freaked out. And he reaches his hand down to help me up. And he you know, and I'm freaked out. I look at him and he goes, now imagine if I actually hit you. <laughs> and he hit me in my, uh, my gi so hard it knocked the wind out of me. You know, and from that point on, I just, I started to really do my best to listen. You know, and uh, I got, I earned my black belt with that course, uh, that style. I went into uh, train over at a place called Cecil People's Kempo. I know him really good. He's a very good friend of mine. Yeah, he's a good guy. And I trained with his son, Skiwi, and uh, we did Kempo there. And then I wanted to learn rhythm. So a friend of mine introduced me to the Jet Center. And I got to train and learn a little bit of boxing and found that, you know, rhythm is a lot to do with how you want to you know, compete. Transitioned from there over to uh, a school where we learn Taekwondo, Hapkido, Judo, and Gundo. And Gundo is a sword fighting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I That's really excelled at the, the Taekwondo. Um, so we stayed pretty much in Taekwondo, Hapkido. Uh, and that's that's where I, uh, I mastered in. Yeah, that's awesome, uh, Garrett. I, it, all, all that sounds so... Uh, it, it's funny. I've told everybody there was a couple... Um, when I started, right, there was a couple of these traditional styles, right? So Taekwondo has always kind of been around. And uh, you did Shotokan, and I did Ishinru, believe it or not. That was the very first thing that I started was in Ishinru. And then Tong Shido came along. Uh, you know, I did it with my brother, and that's, you know, that's where, I, that's where I've stuck is the Chuck Norris system. Yeah. And so when I hear about, when I hear about <laughs> your first days, and I miss those days so much. I mean, it, I've told, even though we have a retesting process here, you know, it's very rare somebody gets retested because we just won't put them up in the test if that is. I mean, it's, uh, but I remember myself testing, like, you know, you miss something on a form like a key eye or something like that. And your whole, your whole test has failed. And 
you knew your yeah. test has failed and you still had to you still had to complete your test even though you knew for a fact that this wasn't going to be a passing test and um yeah you know but there wasn't a lot of students in the door either and the attrition rate was off the chain right so at some point you if you're I hate to use the word commercialized, but if you're going to make a professional studio, you're going to have to have a professional studio. And then the key is how do you keep a professional school and keep your traditions and your your integrity of your art on on point? And it's so it's tough. I mean, my colors don't run, you know, uh, and towards the end, I started to see it, you know, and, you know, even though I had seven schools that were going, you know, the, the thing is, is I started to see the generations change on the parenting, the, because it's never the kids. I will never, ever blame the kids. It's not mm -hmm. the student because the students, it's our job to discipline them. It's not their job to tell us how to tell them. But when I started working with the students and a student, let's say, didn't pass their test, they would quit and the parent would allow them. And, uh -huh. you know, I, my old business partner would say, Hey, we need to dumb down the, the testing. I couldn't do it. You know, we kept losing more. So finally I created an elite class with a contract, a, you know, a tournament team class right. where the parents are accountable as well as the students. And that was right down as minuscule as their grade point average. You know, they needed to maintain a 3.5 or higher because if you really love something that much, there's nothing that's going to stop you. But if you try to make the status quo, then you're, you're lying, not just to yourself, you're lying to me about even being there, you know? And so we had two rules at our studio, which was, you know, uh, rule one, you're here for you. I don't care what your mom or your dad said, this is your hour, leave everything out the door. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, rule two is don't waste my time. And those two rules were the foundation to what A&G was. And I mean, I'm definitely proud. I think we've 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 definitely created a lot of life skill development students that are going to lead from the front, not from the back. Yeah, well, I believe that any impact you guys have as a martial arts uh, instructor, it it will carry. I, I tell my students this on a daily. I said, if you. I said, the thing about the mat is the mat doesn't lie and nor does it care about your feelings and it doesn't care about what color you are. It, it has no no regard for what religion, sexual orientation, it, it doesn't care. The mat is the mat and it's going to reveal your character in, 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 a, in a quick way. A lot of people yeah. says it develops it and uh, I've always said it, it, it reveals it. And then you, right. you'll develop changes from there. It's going to reveal what you are. It's going to reveal your insecurities. It's going to reveal your anger. It's going to reveal your shortcomings. And but it's also going to reveal what you do. What you do good. You know, it's right. not always the negative. You know, so the mat is a unique, a unique place to build character and to build life skills. And people ask me this all the time. You tell me if you agree, right? So. If let's take the jujitsu for an instance, right? You know, that's kind of being what I'm I'm in now. And right. when you're on the ground and you have nobody else, it's you and another guy, right? Or you and another female that is is engaged in battle and one's trying to choke or arm bar or do or finish you and you are wrapped up in you this in this kind of thing and you you can either lay there and accept it or you're gonna deal on how to solve a problem. How am I solving this problem? 
And am I going to give up in the middle of solving a problem or how is that going to, how does that affect? And I just don't, I, I can't think of anything, any class, any, uh, you know, class that you can take in school that is going to teach you as much practicality as a mat. Do you agree with that? hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, in fact, you know, even stepping outside anywhere you go, anything that's interactive is going to allow you to be more involved, you know, and not take a back seat to it. When you're focusing on the mat and it's just you and somebody else and you're doing jujitsu, for example, there's, there's no timeouts when you're going, it's about what your capabilities are, you know, and when you're finished, what's good about that win or lose is it's honorable. You're learning, you know, there's no losing, losing That's is correct. learning. That's right. Mm-hmm. That, that's that it's the mat, those are the ones that lose that's correct i i and and the ones that quit right before they win is just it it, it just rattles me you know i'm a little bit mm-hmm. older now so i mean i really used to take it super personal when 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 kids would stop at black belt get all the uniforms and stuff hang it on the wall i used to take it so personally that it would rattle my head like what you you are missing the entire point of what you just spent years getting and ran the LA Marathon and just took a cab at the end. What? <laughs> that's correct. That's right. It's yeah. uh, yeah. That's yeah. That's a great analogy. So so with also you be you, I guess you authored a book on bullying. Let's talk about that. I you know I didn't realize that until your bio either. You know, getting to know you a little bit more. I'm like because you know I'm finishing up a book now. My book's called Beyond the Mat. It'll be released in January. I'm doing a book releasing then, so it's in pre-launch right now. But I have a 10 chapter book on beyond the mat on what I've learned taking what real world stuff that happens on the mat and taking it out to the real world and what, what the lessons I learned or what I have or have not learned. So what's your book? Let's talk about yours. What's that? What's it called? And yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's it? called a bully's a bully's best friend. And, uh, what's neat about it is it's written as a fiction, but it's actually a, a, a true story based off of me. And so, after 26 years of teaching martial arts, I have thousands of stories, you know, and the first one's about me and I changed the name, the, the, the person in there that's getting picked on. His name is Gavin, which is my oldest son. And then it was about the story I similar, I told you earlier, which is I got picked on as a child at a school, you know, and uh, this kid throws a ball at my face one day and gets sent to the nurse's office with, or I get sent to the nurse's office. He goes to the office and a week later, you know, he's in the same studio as that child cab, uh, Gavin. And uh-huh. yeah. And so it kind of shows their journey together as, you know, he gets picked on in the beginning, but then he identifies what the issues are that the older person miles, who is the bully has, Turns out Miles just wanted to play with him so bad that he didn't know how to communicate that, you know, mm. and it's it's so common. It's more common than others. In fact, the person that usually feels the worst when those two kids are in the office isn't the one that got hurt. It's the one that hurt them because they didn't know what they were capable of at the time. And then being able to hone that that type of anger and energy into a place where they can see what they were doing. And in the book, Miles finally, you know, he sees how he could break the boards. And now he's learning how to utilize what his voice is, which is the most powerful weapon on him. You know, and he's understanding, we use the term power of the mind. You know, you know, how does Gavin break the boards? But I can't, he says in the book. Well, he has power in the mind. You know, he has confidence. He believes in what he's doing. And so all the books that I'm going to be creating 
have to do with certain issues that are common worldwide within everybody, you know, but broken down into something so simple that not just the parent can teach it to the child, but the child can read the book and enjoy it themselves and start mentoring to other people the same way they do in our studios with techniques. Awesome. That's good. Now, is that is that book still available now today? Do you have it yeah, up on it Amazon is. or what yeah, do you have no, it's it on Amazon. Yeah, it's, a, it's called A Bully's Best Friend. Uh, my, I use my middle name, so it's by Garrett Kyle. And yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, it's very impactful. It's going worldwide. Um, I'm very happy. I get people that call me every now and then they tell me that their son is no longer bullying, you know, and so it makes me feel good. That's good. So, uh, we'll make sure we put that in the link. And then, uh, those of you that are listening on audio now too, um, you guys have got the book. If you got to hit rewind, go ahead and hit it now and we can order that and, and put it out there, but I'll put it on the bio on my, on my website also, um, for you, for your, for people to come in and take a look at it. Yeah, Authoring has been something that I have really, uh, you know, I've always wanted to write a book and, but you know, in January I just put the hammer down and says, Hey man, I'm going to do this. And it's weird. I'm, I'm, my forte is being, I can be in front of a large group of people and speak and speak off the cuff and stuff like that. But the, the writing portion was a little bit difficult for me when I first started it, man. It was like, my mind was so, I'm like, where do you start? How do you do this? Yeah. When I hired a writer to write with me and, you know, we talk together and we guide through this stuff and then she kind of takes my stories and puts it into words and, and, uh, I, I've have a really good, uh, coach when it comes to writing a really good coach and she's just uh she's just i've just really enjoyed looking back at at what what i've done here at at, at the studio because you know once you're in the in the midst of it all it's really hard to uh to understand the impact you're having in a community and stuff like that because you're just kind of in it you know what i mean uh, yeah. you know oh there's mr cox or you'll see me at the store or, or whatever and and watching chatsworth kind of change has been it, it's been devastating i mean i'm uh even at church on this last sunday you know i'm head of security at the church i go to and and uh we had uh you know just somebody so high on crystal and alcohol and you know gangbang tattooed from head to toe that we had to deal with and i'm just like man you just didn't see this kind of stuff 10 years ago especially in a church Another shooting in Oregon yesterday, you know, mass people, you know, you're going shopping and you got to worry about, um, you know, you know, you, I don't, you just have to have martial arts. I don't know what else to tell you. You know, people call me paranoid all the time. I said, wherever I go, you know, and, uh, I believe in concealed carry myself, but I also believe that there's some people that shouldn't have a gun at all. And so well, you, yeah, you recognize it. You've been trained that it's a tool, right? Yes. Yeah, right. You know, and, and because it's a tool, you, you don't accidentally take a hammer to your head and, you know, and hurt yourself. You understand how the tool operates and you're very honed on it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, going on to how things are changing now, it is practical. And, and the martial arts schools that are still around and teaching need to start teaching practical, not so much traditional. Because I myself three months ago, two and a half, three months ago, I was attacked in my car by uh, a homeless person on drugs. And if it wasn't for me carrying uh, my uh, 
my my tools from when I used to do professional bodyguarding, I was able to take and cuff him and call the police. Mm-hmm. You know, but right. what if that was my wife? What if that was somebody walking their child across the street with their, you know, just no way of defending themselves? You know, so absolutely, it's become something that you know you you don't want to go and try it on people but what you want to do is have the confidence that you can walk down any street you want to you know the second you don't feel confident then that's 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 a crime uh that's 100 percent. and i you know uh, people if they see you also you know you're kind of a big dude yourself you know you're you're you you're an avid lifter and and stuff like that and you know they and they have no qualms coming up on me either i mean i'm not I'm thinking to myself, if they're going to, if they're going to would come up on you and I, what are they going to do to the, to somebody that's on, on the, on the weaker side or the older side or whatever that is, you know, that's, that's always in the back of my head all the time. Like, you know, well, especially if they're on drugs, you know, drugs will will numb the wits and the thoughts, allow them to take the pain. You know, Mm -hmm. someone that doesn't understand where pressure points are on the body, you know, they're just, waiting to get hurt back you know if someone coming at me has has cocaine or pcp in his system and he's not stopping i don't want to punch him in his arm you know i want to know that there's a position you know there's a place i can hold him where it's not going to hurt him bad but it's enough to save me to get back to my family and hopefully be able to call the uh, the police department and at that point maybe they will take him in that time yeah that's that's definitely true that's definitely true. So this this is a good segue into 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 the the second half of what I've been looking forward to talking to you about because you know you and I have had a there's a business side to martial arts also, and it's a it's a martial arts is a business that is not easy to start, and it's not easy to maintain, and I think part of it and I don't know if you agree with me or not, but I remember, you know, part of it in my book too I tell this story about I've wanted a school. Um, I was able to, the way I got my school was unique in itself, but also six months into me having a school, even though I had enough students, I, I started as a ministry right here at Chatsworth at Rocky Peak, but even as uh, it came down and we came down six months into this, I'm like, I'm looking at it going, I was a pool man at the time, so I, I cleaned pools in the morning and then I, I would teach class at night. Yeah. And... I was like, I said, if something doesn't change, man, because what happened in the pool thing, there was a, a something, a, a merger or something, and there was a layoff, and I got laid off. And so it was either I had to go find another job and do martial arts, or I had to just say, this is it. This is, um, it's all sink or swim now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to jump in both feet. I don't have a choice. Right. And that's what I chose to do. And I knew six months into this, I was like, man, this is, um, the projecting of what I'm doing. I'm just, I don't understand business, martial arts business. And so I looked for a mentor and I looked for a coach and I found one, his name's Terry Brumley. And I found him through black belt magazine where I, I looked at his school and I'm like, hey, this guy's kind of a Christian guy. I can feel it. And he's got a very successful school. And when I called him, he goes, look, you find your your ticket out here. You'll stay at my house, and I'm gonna I'm gonna spend a week with you on how to make business. Nice never guy. asked for money. Never did anything. And we are still. He's still a mentor today. I still talk to him today. 
And so I said, uh, and I completely changed everything that week. And when I came back, and this is when my school really kind of exploded, when I understood that there's different programs that have to be and um, goals, how you teach a class, the energy that you have to have a class, finding out that the old ways were not the best ways, you know, just beating everybody down. And and this is how, you know, you know, as well as I do, this is how we grew up. Right. I was in, you know, you're in fight class. And if you were weak, you would never make it. Okay, you're just yeah. not going to make it. You're just going to get beat down and, and 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 oh well, that's just the way it goes. And and I taught that way for so long, right? And yeah. I started as a ministry, so I had that same luxury as what you talked about where this wasn't a money thing when I started. And so uh if you would just do it casually, then I would casually say you can't do it or you're not testing. I did that yeah. all the time when it was there. And then when I I tried to keep those same principles. I'm like, this is not a winning, this is not a winning strategy. And then I get my business on, on, on point. But I will tell you this today, Gary, we've had many talks about this on martial arts school owners, not preparing for the future. Because when I was a 28 year old dude doing this stuff, I wasn't thinking about being a 61 year old guy with, with money uh to live on as a retirement because at 28 this is what i do i am what i am this you know and this is how we lived so once again we didn't have any coaching we didn't have financial coaching and schools never taught financial coaching on schools won't even teach you the beauty of compound interest when it's in your favor you know you know when you're in debt it compound interest is just an uh, an enemy but when it's in your favor, it can be it can grow to millions of dollars. And Absolutely. we just didn't have that coaching. So we spoke about this before on what you decided to that you decided to take on and try and help martial artists or anybody. So let's talk about what 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 your uh, experience is in, in this area. Yeah. So, you know, again, commonalities, you know, what do we all share in common when we started? our youth. We were in our 20s. I was an outlier. I was fortunate to just be just under a 20-year-old. But when you look at your your generation of your 20s, one thing we don't ever look at is the horizon. We're not meant to look at the horizon. Just like children aren't meant to look at super responsibilities and discipline, we're the ones that gift them on that and we help them with that. So now we start into martial arts and we are all dedicated because we put in the time to become the black belts we are, and we all hope that we could just teach as good as our masters did. And we open these studios up and we start to get really good. We start teaching, we start making money. And so we feel that the formula is right. You know, it has to do well because we're making money. I'm starting to pay for my home. You know, we don't have children yet. So the money's great, you know, and every person you seem to add on doubles what you have to pay for. You know, whether it be food, clothing, you know, and time goes by and, you know, I, I would open another studio. Oh, I'm making great money. I'll just keep doing this. Nobody comes up to us and says, hey, what's your end game? And if anybody ever did, get away, get away. We don't want to hear that right now. You know, we're, we're, I'm still growing. Why would I even need to know about that? That's for people that retire. And that's a formula that's wrong. It's not true. You know, and 
I would look back to my business partner in my in teaching and all the money we spent just on equipment and uniforms and belts and you know bricks board everything easily you know you ask a martial artist i don't mean after the pandemic today but hey do you spend at least four or five hundred bucks a month in some form of you know products for your school well, of course i do right believe it or not half of that amount if invested would have made somebody a millionaire by the time they hit 55 or 60. And these are things I didn't even know until a few years ago when the pandemic hit, I lost everything. I lost all of my schools. Uh, my father passed away, so I had to take care of certain issues with that. And, you know, looking at how I could have done it before, because you can't go back, but if I could have gone back, what I would have done is I would have created certain investment policies that are conservative, right? And so uh, looking at it now, there's uh, we all have bank accounts. The bank accounts, we put in a few thousand dollars, we spend a few thousand dollars. So we're always at nothing. Then we get to 60 years old, and now we're in what's called the sandwich generation. We're taking care of our parents, and we're taking care of our kids because we're living longer. And I started to invest in these mutual funds um, from a company. There's only two companies that do this. One is Northwestern Mutual and another one's uh, New York Life. And I chose New York Life. But as a, what's great is, so as a martial arts instructor, you go and you, you get a policy. And a lot of people think a policy at New York Life or Northwestern Mutual is for uh, like death benefits, right? And you know, you get um, you get a, a policy and that'll help you for when you die to help your family. And that is 100 percent true. But that's only one tool that's used in those policies. The most important one is these policies that are purchased, that they grow money every year. So imagine you have your left pocket and you have your right pocket and you take ten thousand dollars. Right. Let's actually let's make it simple. You put a dollar in your left pocket. How much money is that pocket earning you every year? In fact, with inflation included, it's actually losing you money. So you move that dollar to your right pocket for doing absolutely nothing different, except you have to qualify for the policy with your health. Now, as a martial arts instructor, I would hope you could in your 20s, right? And now you're earning $6 instead of $1 every year. So now you have money working for you. And you go and you start adding two to three hundred dollars a month and they have these things where you can pay them off in 20 years all the way down to five years and you pay this off and the money continues to grow for the rest of your life and it's not a gravy train you're not looking at this like you're going to go and just live a millionaire's life but who where is our money going to come when we stop teaching you know where does it come from because if you rewind time and we look at our masters, they came from a generation where they believed that their students would take over the schools and they would continue to be paid a percentage for the rest of their lives because it was their name that created the schools. And I started to see that that didn't happen anymore in the 90s. All of these masters that were retiring, their students were changing the names of the schools and they were saying that doesn't work anymore. You know, that tradition, and I saw that tradition when I lived in Korea. You know, in 2000, when I lived in Korea, you would pass a studio on to your student when they reached a fourth degree, 
and they were able to maintain it and you would get something and you'd live humbly, but you would live and you would receive something that doesn't exist. So now the concept is simple. You just switch from one pocket to the other and you start to look at it as a utility payment and you pay it. And, you know, if you can pay it in 15 years, good and 20, good. But when you're done, you never pay a dime again. And now that money is working for you and you make even more, you buy more policies, right? And you can even do these for your children. My kids don't even know this, but they both have these policies called custom whole lives, right? And by the time they're 55 years old, they're going to have half a million dollars. Now, that's not, I mean, with inflation, that's going to, this also grows with inflation to these policies. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I want my kids to live a life where they go and do what they want to do. If they want to teach martial arts, and that's great. But I also want them to know that they have something to draw from for the rest of their life, too. Because if the government has a formula and it works, the military has a formula that works, we should be doing the same thing. Right. My brother just retired from the federal department with his wife. They both have money coming for the rest of their life. And we change lives. We deserve the same thing. Unfortunately, 90 plus percent of us don't understand how this works. And it's, it's so simple. We look beyond it. I mean, I was spending $500 a month on my, what was that? The, the phone company that went out of business, uh, Remember the one where you can press the button and you can talk to them on the microphone? Uh, yeah, next, yeah, Nextel. Nextel. Well, I didn't have a landline, so we were spending $500 each a month back in the 90s. I mean, if I had that policy for $500 at my health back then, <laughs> oh my goodness. So you're so let's let me ask you about that because you know whole life type policies that you're talking about have such a stigma with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for some absolutely. reason. And well, they're connected with the stock market. That's why I said New York Life and Northwestern. If you hmm. get a policy that's not connected to the stock market, then and don't get me wrong, the stock market is amazing. I think people should invest as long as you understand that the stock market has a 20 to 30 year span that you should be investing with. It's like a drunk person that goes up and down the stairs. You know, it goes up and your stock goes back down, but it goes back up and it comes back down. But if you look at the consistency, it still moves upward through time. You just don't want to be drawing from it right away. But you step away from that and you go to a mutual fund and it doesn't go up and down like the stock market. It just goes up and it's guaranteed your money. And it's right. been and around then, New York life. It's been around uh, since uh, 177 years. I find that I listen more and more that very wealthy people use that to their advantage, including the author of Rich Man, Poor Man, because he speaks about when you put money in something like that and you borrow from that, you're borrowing your own money and it's tax free. And he yep. goes, this is one of these things that people, most people don't know. Right. And he goes, and then I guess you also have a policy. I guess you, you, you buy into a policy that's worth so much that you're, that you're paying off at the end. And that's, I guess that's the difference between term because when you get my age and you try to have term life insurance, it yeah. is a mint of money. Right. And, um, and that's just different. So if you had something when you were 18, I guess you'd always have this money that at least, you know, that this, this insurance policy is going nowhere. Cause I guess you've paid it off at some point. Correct. Well, I will be, I'm still doing it. 
but going back to what you're saying so there's term and there's whole life right right now term is that's where people get the stigma you know why do i want to spend million and have a two million dollar policy it's only good when i'm dead you're absolutely right it's the same as having car insurance i don't want my car insurance paid off uh towards me that means that i'm probably not walking anymore you know so those are only good for your families and as well you should have a term eventually you know it's good to have those um but a term like you said is a term you, there's a time limit to it when you do a whole life what they're saying is to age 100 you're going to pay a certain amount new york life for example has a certain uh, way of doing it to where you don't have to pay a, um, your whole life for, for the whole life oh. you can have it custom to five years up to 70 years if you want and obviously the longer the time the cheaper the payment but there is no losing of the money in fact banks borrow from these uh, entities and i know i could say this completely legal because she made it an announcement but oprah winfrey is the number one uh client uh as far as a consumer uh for new york life because the money's guaranteed you know and like you said it's the bank of mark it's mm -hmm. not something that's locked up and you can't get it out without penalties type of a thing. You leave your money in there by the second, the third year, it starts growing thousands of dollars immediately. Right. And so let's say seven years from now, you need a new roof, right? Do you really want to put that on a credit card or even your bank account? You go and you take this out tax-free, you borrow it as a loan, you pay off your roof, you put it back when you can, but it's your money. You take it out when you want, you make a phone call and the check's there. So it's just switching pockets. It's literally switching pockets. And I on there would tell you, I will renounce my master's degree. If I said anything, that's a lie. It's that simple. Then people ask, well, then why doesn't everybody do it? And the answer is you got to qualify. The older yeah. you get, the more expensive it is. And your health is, I will tell everybody though, like I just turned 45 for my birthday. I just got another policy for my wife and I, and my kids. That's going to be me playing catch up for all of the money invested uh, or I should have invested when I was younger. So does that mean somebody, um, if they want to start something for their children, even adult children, that's something that can happen if they qualify health wise? You can start it for your children. Absolutely. You know, mm -hmm. uh, you can't get insurance for your kids without you being insured, but you could buy, let's say you wanted to buy your kids whole life. You can get yourself a, a one year term um, life insurance minimum. And then after that year, you don't need the insurance, but they're covered. Mm -hmm. Got it. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. See, this was, there's such a stigma with, with whole life. Um, there's such a, but there's something to be said that millionaires talk about it all the time because yeah. they've said the same thing. You know, I can't imagine that when I was in my 20s when getting a policy would have been next to nothing. And you're right about that, right? So you've you've invested this money over these years and you want to buy a car. You don't, you know, you're borrowing your own money at that time and you're paying back your own money and it's yeah. tax-free, right? You get to pull out money that's tax free. That is just amazing to me that you're not. And, you, you know, Kiyosaki says it. He goes, this is one of the one of the ways that the wealthy don't pay taxes. 
You know what I mean? This look at it this just, way too. Both my kids have these policies, right? By the time they're 20, 20 something years, 22, they could walk up to any bank and say, I want to buy a house because that bank will look at that as a guaranteed asset. And so now you can go anywhere and purchase a home, a car with that asset because it's guaranteed to grow. The money's working for him. My kids, uh, money's already working for them and they don't even know it yet. And if you have the opportunity to get it for your children under the age of 18, then they can't take that and use it at their own discretion until you gift it to them. So, you know, you know as much as you and I, we like our tattoos, uh, <laughs> I don't want my son to go and take his money and go buy a bunch of tattoos with it. I want him to go buy a, a house with it. So if he has an attitude or any type of issues, it's mine until I want to give it to him to use. And if I find that my son has, you know, all of the, the parts working correctly that I know he understands how to, how to focus and, and invest correctly. Yeah. I will give it to him when he's ready. You know, now is there rules in place, uh, Garrett, that you start this off and there's a, any year gaps that before you can borrow your own money, is there, is there gap years or anything like that? How does that work? No, the second you start earning you can. The first year you don't make anything because, you know, just like anything, it goes to the taxes and whatnot. But the reason why this is all it works is you're you're taking this policy and this policy pays the taxes. It does everything else. And you're making a profit on what's called the. It's not a profit. That's that's the key to it is. And sorry, I'm trying to think it's on the tip of my tongue, but. What's that called when you have a leftover? Um, like a, you made a profit, but then actually there's even more than that. Um, I can't oh, think of a surplus. The surplus. Yes. So New York Life doesn't invest in the stock market. They have so many multiple different as, um, investments they do with companies that they own. They own like the biggest real estate in the world worldwide that they make so much money off of all of theirs that they have a surplus every year, millions and millions of dollars. You're the policy owner when you have a, a mutual uh, policy. When you're part of a, a company, which are hundreds of them for you know life insurance that are connected to the stock market, those companies own your policies. That's They choose what goes up or down. You as the policy owner, you can choose to take your money right away. You could choose to take any of it at any time. So every year in the best interest of you and your family, you decide you'll get a statement that says, Hey, Mark, you've made so much amount of money. What do you want to do with it? You know, do you want it to go back into the policy to buy more policy to grow more bigger money for you? And because New York life has never not grown policies in over 177 years, your money just goes. And yeah, that's such an interesting, interesting thing. See, that's the kind of stuff I wished. You know, it takes a certain person to uh, have these conversations, you know, because, you know, as as things as you get older and stuff like that, you know, you're only you're going to only listen to, you know, people that you you know, love and trust. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that's what makes it hard. And then you get the stigma that, you know, the, there's a, a, a stigma that comes along with it. And I had not known about it until recently myself. And this is my own studies. And then to, then when we talked about it and you talked about the same thing, I said, this is not looked at. I don't know why for some reason, but it's such a simple concept. 
you know, rich dad, poor dad said the same thing. He goes, it's so simple. People don't think that it's, that it's even right. You know, I've gone to, you know, that's so sad and it breaks my heart is I've gone to studios because I've made this a mission to help our, our, our brothers and sisters. There are studios, people after the pandemic local to us, that people are living in their studios. You know, that's their home. They don't have the, enough money to live outside of their own studios. I've come in there and I've told them, hey, you guys, let me help you help yourselves. Yeah, yeah, we'll get back to you. And mm -hmm. we live in a time where even in martial arts, people are standoffish, you know. So it's sad to know that the knowledge is there and it's not being taken. Yeah, it's it's even even simple stuff that, uh, you know, you don't think about as a martial arts studio, you know, like a, an Aflac or something like that, where you have disability insurance, where you get hurt and you can get a check. And yeah. it's that's not. There's not even qualifying for that. You know, you're going to get rated on what you do for a living. And then that's your that's your rate. And, you know, it, that was a also another one of these things that's very simple that nobody thinks about. But what other profession do you know where you can possibly be disabled for eight months, six months? I had a knee replacement. And I didn't have disability insurance then. Yeah. So I was suck it up after three weeks and get back on the mat. You know, so I Same. think that there's a lot to be said. So and I go all over the world and to all these martial arts things in, in in Vegas, MA Success, all these martial arts stuff. Nobody. It's always like you need to have this program. This is how you set your retail up. This is how you do this. Nobody speaks to them on how to make your money work for you. And how to pay yourself first. And there's, I, I don't, you, now you've owned a school. Tell me there's not a stigma on martial arts instructors only, right? It's like, people are always like, I can't believe you guys charge for this. This, Like, I don't know, there's a stigma. It's like a teacher almost, right? It's, yeah. We don't even pay our teachers what they should be. And these are yeah. the most influential people that there are. Now, we love our doctors when we need them. But, you know, they you're not getting uh, gratis from them. An attorney, uh, you know, they're they're worth their weight in gold when you need them and and they know it. But somebody like a martial arts school owner that that changes lives like we do, it's just put on the back burner. It's just like, well, you're just kind of, a, you know, you teach karate for a living. I heard it so many times. I, I, do, I do you have a real job? I'm like, right. oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah, All right. yeah. All right. So you know what I'm talking about. You've been there. And, uh, and you know, I'll end with this with you now. What is, what as a school owner or a business owner, it doesn't have to be a school owner, right? Sure. What, how do we help our, our staff? What can we do to help our staff grow their money and make sure that it's something that, you know, that at least look at what can we have ready and willing to go for our people that's helping us build our business and help them make their money grow for them. Right. What do you think? 
Well, I would definitely say, you know, you reach out to a Northwestern Mutual or you reach out to a New York Life. Make sure that the keywords that you see is mutual. It has to say mutual because that means you are the policy owner and you're not into the stocks. You know, go invest in the stock market separately for your portfolio, but you have to do this, you know, and uh, any school owner that has instructors that are working with them, you know, if you were to call someone like New York Life and you said, listen, I have a studio and I got four instructors. I want someone to come down and educate them on what it is they can do for their life to have an end game with a policy. How, how can I get a, a, you know, I heard you guys have custom whole lives. Can you come down and do a luncheon with us? They do luncheons. They will come down and buy lunch for you guys. And they'll sit there and they'll show you an educational thing for 20 to 30 minutes. It would blow your minds. Like what I've just talked about isn't one iota of what you're capable of doing with these policies. There's like 10 different things you can do, you know, that we haven't even got into. And <laughs> at the bare minimum, just like having endorphins going and being in martial arts, the second you're done with doing that policy and you sign it, you breathe. Because there's a piece of you that knows that I've done it. I've taken care of my family. I could go tomorrow now and I'm cool. I'm good. And in a pandemic, those are bold words. Mm. That's, yeah, that's that's so, the, the simplicity of it and that it's not taught to our kids. And, and, uh, and you give you them know. my phone number, I will go out of my way to talk to anybody to help them. I will help anybody that wants to be helped. As long as they want to be helped, you know, that's what we do. Yeah. And I think that you, you come you, in, in my world, in a martial artist world like I own, right? Um, you, you're, we're, you're going to get several people listening to this today. And, and it's just not for martial arts, just so everybody knows, right? This is, this is uh, making your money grow um, in, in a way. And I, I'll be honest with you, I... I, I went on this app, right, this Acorns app. This is something that just rolls your, you know, when you swipe a credit card, it goes to the next earliest dollar and it invests this little bit of money for you now. Um, and I said, I said, wonder what this account is. Now, I've had it open for 13 months. I don't even know. I You know, I set a parameter for it. And so everything that gets rounded off, my change gets rounded off. And then I said, okay, I want like $20 a month put in. Well, I looked at it in 13 months. I have $1,782 in there because they invest every dollar, right? I'm like, holy shit, what? The, what? And uh, I just looked at it the other day. And on, on this is how simple it is to take money and put money aside. And, and yeah. the amount of money that we waste. I wasted so much money, Garrett, as a young guy. Two major leasing cars, leasing two cars at a time, two car payments, twelve, thirteen hundred dollars a month in car yeah. payments, and not investing in my future. I, I failed miserably at that, and um, it's 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 just something, man. This looks like this is one of your boys here. This is a, he's saying, "What's up, Master G?" This is Tristan saying hi. Oh, it's one of my black belts. Yeah, so he's yeah, he, he's he's it. he's here listening. Um, so anyway, I think that's a good place to end, uh, Garrett. I know that, um, you know, in the future, you know, a cup of coffee is going to be warranted and cause I, I want you to help me help my staff. I, you know, I've been looking forward to this for a long time because I know what, 
I know where your heart is. You're, you know, not to mention you're a martial artist and not to mention that, you know, exactly the pains of having a business like this. And we don't really have any, any end games in mind. I mean, imagine if I had, imagine the pandemic hit. Now, luckily, one thing that I learned from my mentor is if you can own your property, you yes. have less. And I own this piece of land that I'm on, this property. Yeah. And if I didn't have such a low mortgage, I couldn't imagine if I had anywhere from a six to nine thousand dollar a month lease. Right. I would have been I would have been hammered. Right. It's owning the property is what saved it. But can you imagine when uh, you know you you needed something to keep keep afloat and you had a policy that you've done for 20 years and you have a half a million dollars in it and you're like okay well you know what i'm going to take thirty thousand dollars out of it tax-free money and make sure that my studio does it is just such a simplest thing and i'm like I, I, how did i not have somebody teach me this when i was a young man so Mark, pissed off let me ask you this how fast is 20 years go oh my goodness bro I, if you told me that I'm on the on the second half of my life now at 61, because you know you know me, I'm still I'm still I'm still hitting the mats, man. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. in my head, I'm 25 years old, but I'm like, but Gary V says something very very unique because I always I always catch myself going, "What, well, dude? I'm 61. What am I?" He's like, "Do you understand how how long you kind of live in these days, right? So even at 60, you still got 20, maybe 30 years." of investing that you can still be doing. Right. And I think that one thing that I've learned as, as I've gotten older is, so I was just showing my students, my says, I said, here's my social security thing next year at 62 years old, I would be allowed to grab this if I wanted to. I said, look how much money I'm going to get a month, $1,283. I'm like, are you, I said, if I would have invested my own money, this $1,282 would be nothing. It, it'd be a drop in the bucket of what, what it would be spending money. And I said, you have to wait till you're 70. And even at 70, I'm getting $2,300 a month. Think about that. Yeah. How, how you living on 2300 You ain't. Right. Yeah. And so I've always been this thing that, you know, I don't want to, I'm not a big, I'm not a big saver as much as I want to be an investor, right? So I didn't really learn that either, uh, is what I'm doing, is it turning? That's why I stopped buying new cars. I haven't bought a new car in, I don't know, at least 10 years. Yeah. Any car I do, I pay it off. It's my car. It's, it, you know, I don't, I don't care about the status or the Jaguar I used to have and, you know, rolling up to the studio in a Jaguar. And I'm just like, this is the stupidest stuff I've ever did in my life. And all we did was go from A to B, right? We just that's went right. to the studio and got home. That's, <laughs> that's right. It was a big freaking nothing, right? And I was like, I, I just, such a waste of time. So this is going to be, this is going to be good. You know, I'll look for, I'll look forward to having some coffee with you, Garrett. And we can, you can point me in the right directions of what we have. And, um, you know, cause I'd like to, I'd like my son, he's 30 now. I said, son, you're already 30. Why don't you think about that? Yeah. And how fast it goes, how fast your twenties go. If you think your twenties go fast, wait till you're in your thirties. It's a blip. You know? And I remember my thirties, man. I was in my prime, man. I was competing. I was just a freaking beast, yeah. right? And uh it goes by so quick, and I'm just like, I couldn't even do half the stuff I did in my thirties anymore. And so, you know, it's been a good chat with that. I'm hoping somebody gets something out of this, guys. And uh, uh, Garrett will be, we'll have the, um, 
the audio portion of this downloaded. It'll be on my website, Gary. You'll be able to share it on your on your platform also. I'll encourage everybody to kind of listen to this. I've got some other connected leaders um, that I have that I believe, it, you know, just this simple half the the second half of what we spoke about um, would be be awesome. I don't know. Maybe one day what we should do, Garrett. I'd like to have you come in and speak to my, you know, my high schooler and and um, I, I got I right now in my school I've got quite a few that are just higher in J, junior high, high school, and just starting college, and let them see. Listen, this is how money works, okay? Right. Because they're not being taught that. My students right now on their orientation. They had a six-hour orientation. Three and a half hours of orientation was what is your sexual preference and what is abortion about? What does that have anything to do with how are my kids going to survive when the world smacks them upside the head uh, on a continual basis? You yeah. know, And that high school student, a better question could have been, how much does it cost the family to eat out for a night? Uh, 70, 80 bucks? You know that that seventy to eighty dollars makes a half a million dollars when that kid uh, retires. Now, you, you know, think about that so right there I, creates interest. That's correct, and I just thought about that last night. You know, I've got a team that came in from Georgia. One of my best friends, he just came in he, and he surprised me with two of his team members. He's running my school for this week. He came in from Georgia, and he we got he's so hungry, right? I said, okay, let's go through some. The only thing open was Carl's Jr. Two chicken, two chicken uh, combos, two chicken dinner combos, or whatever it was, thirty-one dollars. Yeah, thirty-one dollars for a drive-through. I'm like, I said, oh my gosh, I said, this is this money is just wasted, wasted money. Yeah, it is. It totally is. You know, I mean, eighty bucks makes me feel good knowing it's going to somewhere. You know. Yep, that's true. All right, man. I know you got a busy day ahead of yourself, man. That was such a, a good talk. I'm, I look so forward to this, man. This was uh, this is really awesome. I'll make sure that I have everything uh, dumped out for you uh, on uh, on audio. I'll send you links and everything. I already tagged you in this, and it's also up on YouTube now. I sent you a, in your messenger. I sent you a YouTube link also where this will be. So it'll be on my YouTube channel at Real Talk with Mark Cox. It's on the Facebook Live, and then my my website is just my name, www.markcox.com. That's where all my episodes are. I think you're you're close to number 70 or something like that in my episodes, and okay. so uh, you'll be highlighted out there. I'll make sure there's a link also on my website for your book if people are interested. Sound good? Terrific. Thanks, That's Mark. Right. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks for spending the hour with me, Garrett. Have an awesome day, sir. You too. Have all a good right. one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Real Talk with Mark Cox. Real life, real topics, real conversation. We're passionate about motivation, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, and coming at it from a real angle. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you had fun. We know we did. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on Instagram and Facebook at MarkCox100. Make sure to subscribe and review. And tell a friend or two about the show. For more, hit up the website at MarkCox.com. Till next time, keep it real. Keep it real.